0: the truth news network former fcc chairman newton Minow called the media a vast wasteland well i submit it's far far more than that it's a battlefield for your mind mortar fire cannon fire grenades full of lies and we're taking the losses it's time for a night in this savage land that used to be called a paladin A defender of the good and honest against the onslaught. Well, we're TNN, the Truth News Network. And your paladin against the barrage
1: is Dan Newman. Kind of cold, kind of windy. I mean, frigid cold, North Louisiana. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live, a new week. And you're doing it with us. And I really appreciate it. We have so many things to break down, so many things to discuss. The world kept spinning over the weekend when you and I were doing our stuff. And there's some important stuff. We're going to get into all of it, all of it, and there's a bunch. First, try this out, huh? A little cup of coffee, Brothers, maybe. Three, so and five. Trust
2: in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding on like this In all thy ways acknowledge him And he shall direct your path I need that today Lord ¡Suitos!
1: he sold, but he was a great man of God. And miss him, Miss Andre Crouch. Well, how are you doing? Did you have a good weekend? Well, (laughs) those of you that know what we're facing up here or down here, depending on your perspective, Northwest Louisiana, we don't get in the teens with temperatures. And overnight, it was the first day that we're going to be So stinking cold, and it is cold. Now, there's some snow, but let me tell you how snow ever happens here in North Louisiana. It rains first, and it rains, and it rains some more. And then the temperature while it's raining just begins to plummet. And when maybe there's a little bit of snow that's going to follow, but when that gets here, what happens? We have sheets of ice on everything, and I I get tickled at friends that come through here or we see we're somewhere out of town where there's cold weather, and they laugh at us. We know how you people in the South are. Y'all can't drive. Well, where those people up north live, it snows. They don't get the rain with the temperature going down very quickly that gets the sheet of snow Underneath the ice. I don't care where you live. If you've got ice on the concrete where you drive, you're going to have wrecks. (laughs) And it's not about us, it's that dadgum climate change. Speaking of that, we have some news this morning about Mr. World Climate Change, John Kerry. You know, he is the foremost expert in the universe about all things regarding our climate. Yeah, man. He went to he went to college for a decade to get all of that information and expertise. Wait a minute. No, he didn't go to he didn't do that. He went to Vietnam though. He told us that when he was running for president, but he lied about part of that. What are you What are you saying, Dan? A democrat in government told a lie while he was campaigning? <laughs> well, He's no longer Joe Biden's climate czar. I guess maybe it didn't come with enough public attention because John has taken a new gig. And so you know what his new gig is? He's going to help Joe Biden get reelected. Now, I remember John Kerry ran for president and he didn't win. So I would question his expertise. But the big important thing is, and you know what I'm about to say, Joe Biden, wait a minute, the Biden campaign, they're certainly going to pay John Kerry a buttload full of money because he's John Kerry. And his credentials are, he's John Kerry. He was a U.S. senator. He was a presidential candidate. Uh, He was a climate czar and his number one achievement in his whole life is he's married to Teresa Hines Carey, the heiress to the ketchup kingdom. Hines (laughs) and all of Hines products. And oh, by the way, when they got married until about a year ago, Teresa Hines Carey owned a jet leasing company. So no wonder John Kerry flew everywhere on private jets. He didn't own it. He was was not telling the truth. He was asked many times, do you have your own jet? No, sir, I do not have my own jet. Well, why do you fly private like that? People like me, people that go places and are as important as me, we have to get places fast. We can't deal with all of the flight changes and everything so I fly private. I would too if Marianne owned a jet leasing company. <laughs> I would do it. I've flown private privately, I guess, several different times. And if if it's an opportunity for you to ever do it, it sure beats flying commercial. But not many Americans can do it for obvious reasons. I can't do it. Why? so stinking expensive, and I'm not uh, John Kerry. Well, there's a big event happening up in the even colder Arctic cold today than it is in Louisiana. Iowans are getting together today in sub-zero temperatures. The Iowa caucus is this afternoon and evening. They're set to decide their Republican presidential nominee for this year through a little-known event practiced in only a handful of states here. And you hear about it all the time. I've heard about it for years, but the Iowa caucuses. And I don't know very much about how it works, so I thought it would be a good thing at the top of the show for us to just break it down a little bit so you can get your arms around what it is. The Hawkeye State, that's Iowa, has held a caucus every four years since the 1970s. And it's one of only nine states that still use that practice. Eligible voters who are registered with the party and over the age of 18 are going to meet this evening in schools, churches, event centers across the state after weeks of very aggressive campaigning by all the Republican candidates. Those candidates on the ballot in Iowa include former President Trump, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, businessman Vivek Ramaswamy, former governor of Arkansas Asa Hutchinson, and Texas businessman Ryan Binkley. That's the current slate of the 2024 presidential nominees. A caucus, what's it different That a primary? Here's how it works. Voters gather for a shorter set period of time at 1,657 precincts headquarters in Iowa, all across the state, and they hear from the caucus captains. Those captains make speeches on behalf of a particular candidate. And then after that, participants cast a secret ballot, and they nominate one delegate uh, delegate per precinct, who will then vote on whether to confirm the nominee during the county convention, which is typically scheduled during the summer. Previous winners of the Iowa caucus include President Barack Obama in 08, Rick Santorum in 2012, Ted Cruz from Texas in 2016, Joe Biden, of course you know he's the incumbent for the Democrats, at least right now, and Democrat voters will hold their caucus through mail-in ballots sent on January 12th through February 19th. Mail-in (laughs) ballots. I wonder how many of those will be legitimate. Trump (laughs) is currently leading the pack both nationally at an average of about 61%. In Iowa, an average of 53%. DeSantis and and Haley have been vying back and forth for second, hovering just under 12% each in Iowa. Ramaswamy currently at an average of 6%. That's according to Real Clear Politics. And former New Hampshire Governor Chris Christie polled at an average of 3.5% before he decided to bow out. And he heard that a brand new Whataburger opened. And he had to go check it out. So he's out of the race. Republican Governor Kim Reynolds has endorsed DeSantis back in November saying that she didn't believe Trump would be able to win a general election, but she expressed confidence in DeSantis' ability to beat Biden. I believe Ron, and that's a big reason I got behind him. Now, Kim Reynolds was a huge Trump supporter in the last election. Both DeSantis and Ramaswamy have completed the full Grassley. What is that? That's 99 counties in Iowa. They've all been there campaigning, and the reason it's called the full Grassley, Senator Chuck Grassley, who makes the trip every year. They named it after him. Ramaswamy is looking to complete a second tour and has multiple town halls scheduled through this afternoon when the caucuses get underway. Weather? Well, already we know, even this morning, when they get ready to go caucus. They're going out on the coldest caucus day in Iowa's history. Temperatures below zero and wind chill factors in the negative 30 to 40. Andrew Romeo, a spokesperson for DeSantis' campaign, told reporters that we can rely on our people. Well, we've been saying when you're in constant contact with voters, when your candidates had visited 99 counties and make a personal connection with them stronger than anything anyone else has, that's going to matter when the weather's cold like this. That's Romeo campaigning for DeSantis. And when it's hard to get people to come out and people don't want to turn out, we know we can rely on our people because those are the folks that we've been in constant contact with built strong relationships with. Preya Samsadar, a spokesperson for the SFA Fund, which is a pro-Haley super PAC, also told reporters that to quote Frozen, the coal never bothered us anyway. Folks here in Iowa, this is just winter for us. We're just going to come out and do things as long as the roads are great. Folks are going to come out and do their thing. They know how important the Iowa caucuses are. Iowans know how important their voice is in this process. So those are really the three that, that, that matter. Trump, DeSantis, and um, Nikki Haley. I, I, I've got to put Ramaswamy in there. I like the guy. I do. I don't like his religious perspective. And uh, some of his side things that he says about other people and about certain processes in our government, sometimes, honestly, he he doesn't sound like a conservative. But he's young, he's aggressive. I would almost, I'm not there, and I don't know that I'll get there all the way there, but I would almost like to see him on a ticket to be the VP. I said almost. I'm not going to tell you what my choice is. I think if you're a regular here at TNN Live, you know I'm very conservative and I like success. And I like what, in most parts, Donald Trump did in his four years in the White House. I don't like the way he was treated, even by the Republican Party. He would have got a lot more done if they would have come aboard earlier than they did. But that's Politics. And that's why I despise politics so much. This morning, we're going to talk about politics, and you're going to hear from some folks that you'll recognize their names, and they're very political. You're going to hear some things that will shock you, and you're going to hear some things that will scare you, and some other things that are going to make you mad. I started to say something else. That's not new, to hear something that's going to make you mad, especially when it comes to politics. So where, oh where, are we going to start? Why don't we start this morning with the border, whatever you want to call it, crisis, flood of illegals, whatever you want to call it. The economy in the United States and our U.S. border, the Joe Biden debacle that he created down there, those are two of the most important issues in this campaign. And for some folks, it absolutely is the southern border stuff. And to some other folks, uh, depending on the way they are impacted, the economy is number one. But anyway, we're going to get into that. We're also going to get into some information regarding politics and regarding our governor, excuse me, our government, and you're going to hear some people. You're going to hear from Matt Gates. You're going to hear from Vivek Ramaswamy, Laura Ingram, and some other folks. But Rand Paul, of all people, Kentucky U.S. Senator Rand Paul, he's very vocal with his opinions about politics. You never have to ask where Rand Paul is. And so he was out on the street someplace over the weekend. And somebody walked up to him, a news person, had an iPhone turned on. It wasn't one of those polished video elements. They just caught him off guard. And asked him who he was going to support in this upcoming election. I like to hear what our major lawmakers believe, in. pretty much most of them very seldom come out publicly and endorse a candidate. Rand Paul did, and I want you to listen to what he had to say to this person. It's important. Here's Rand Paul.
3: Good morning, everyone. As I told you yesterday, I'm ready to say something about the presidential race. I've had a long relationship with Donald Trump, and there's a lot to like there. I'm also a big fan of a lot of the fiscal conservatism of Ron DeSantis. I think Vivek Ramaswamy has been a, an important voice. Also have listened to and met with the independent Bobby Kennedy. I'm not yet ready to make a decision, but I am ready to make a decision on someone who I cannot support. So I'm announcing this morning that I'm Never Nikki, and if you go to nevernikki.net, you can let her know that you're not a supporter either. I don't think any informed or knowledgeable libertarian or conservative should support Nikki Haley. I've seen her attitude towards our our interventions overseas. I've seen her involvement in the military-industrial complex, $8 million being paid to become part of the team. But I've also seen her indicate that she thinks you should be registered to use the internet, that people posting ideas anonymously. I think she fails to understand that our republic was founded upon people like Ben Franklin, Sam Adams, Madison, John Jay, and others posted routinely. For fear of the government, they posted routinely anonymously. And I think her failure to really understand that or to think that you should register through the government somehow for the internet is something that should disqualify her in the minds of all libertarian-leaning libertarian conservatives. So I'm announcing today I'm Never Nikki. You can go to nevernikki.net and sign up and show her that you're Never Nikki also. Thanks.
1: Him feeling that way about Nikki Haley doesn't surprise me because Rand Paul is a in-your-face libertarian. Libertarians, if you don't know what they really believe, well, Steve Baker that's with us every Tuesday, he's a libertarian. These folks, and I'm on the border, if you're a regular here, you know that I kind of sit on the side of very conservatives. I'm not a registered, actually, I'm registered in Louisiana as an independent. And I've been registered that way since years ago. They had closed primaries. If you were registered as a Republican, when they had a Democrat primary, you couldn't vote at all, which I thought it sucks. So I changed my registration a long time ago to independent. Rand Paul, he is in your face, as was his father. His father served for a long time as a member of the House of Representatives from Texas. So it's interesting to see people of that persuasion, but more so to hear people that feel that way come out, as Rand Paul did, and talk about it. So that's his opinion. He's anti. I don't want to say anti, but he just does not like the former UN, in, uh, UN ambassador, the former governor of south carolina her politics and the way she politics i have real problems with her on a couple of very important things number one is all of a sudden a couple of weeks ago she makes a big announcement and some of the biggest wealthiest um i'll call them rhino republicans people that are out there that are known to give to lots of money to various candidates, and inevitably the candidates they support are ones that have cut deals with them. Who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about Nikki Haley. I'm not a Nikki Haley fan. I've not been from the very beginning. I'm not a Vivek Ramaswamy fan either. I haven't been since the beginning. And I, I told you a few minutes ago, why I feel that way. But honestly, Nikki Haley scares me because she's proven already to me at least that she's available. She can be bought. I wish somebody in one of these debates would have the chutzpah when it's their turn to ask her a question. Ask her, what does she have to do in exchange for those millions of dollars from those heavyweights that several of are hardcore Democrats that are supporting her. I know why they do it. These, uh, these billionaires do it. They'll do anything, absolutely anything, that needs to be done in their opinion to keep Donald Trump from the White House, even if it comes down to it, go to a Republican that they think may have the best shot at beating Donald Trump, keeping him from getting the uh, the nomination of the Republican Party to run in 2024, and they feel like they can buy enough advertising. And because Nikki Haley is very vocal, she's all over the place. And a lot of people really like that. But it has nothing. My whole thing about politics— It has, and I can't say it has nothing, very little to do with the personality of the candidate that you're talking about. I would expect that everybody that runs for office and is at least kind of successful, every one of them would understand. And every one of them, you would know pretty much everything about. But Nikki, she never gave any inkling that she would even consider doing something like she's done. And I haven't looked at the campaign uh, quarterly report to see exactly who uh, this is that gave big money to her campaign. And, And it's really sometimes tough to tell because what they do, the big dollar ones, they don't give it to the campaign. They give it to some pack, and then the pack gives it to the to the, uh, the person running for office that they're supporting. But it is. We've been told, and she admitted it, very, very hardcore Democrats putting big money in her campaign. Quid pro quo, though. Nobody's going to give away big money without except, expecting to get something in return. So what has she committed to? That's my question. So the other big thing, there's a couple of big ones, but the other one that I want to talk to you about this morning is about what's really happening right now at our southern border. And you know we have this budget deal that we have to do. They passed a continuing resolution over the weekend to give the government one more month of funding so they didn't have to shut it down and they can finish working out this agreement. More and more is coming out of the details about the so-called agreement that uh, the majority leader, Chuck Schumer, and the House Speaker Mike Johnson worked out a deal on last week. But the more that comes out about it, the less I like it. Laura Ingram weighed in on it. And um, she's very, very succinct and pointed. And when she did this report over the weekend, you know when you can look at somebody and watch their facial expressions, you know how they really feel, as she was doing this watching her, she was plain pissed off. That's all I can say. Here's Laura.
4: I'm Laura Ingram. This is Ingram Angle from Washington tonight. We have breaking news on multiple stories. Stunning scenes out of Eagle Pass, Texas tonight as the Lone Star State takes a stand for its own sovereignty and the rule of law by blocking the Biden welcome wagon from fast-tracking migrants into the United States. And in Chicago, they were forced to move thousands of migrants into what they're calling warming buses due to the record cold temperatures hitting that region. And moving east to Massachusetts, a group in Melrose called the Immigrant Support Alliance is reportedly encouraging residents To open their homes to the migrants an information session there called exploring the host home experience takes place on monday and the notice reads are you curious about what's involved in hosting an immigrant for short-term shelter as they begin their journey toward independence today housing immigrants in your house is voluntary but tomorrow hmm, we'll see And at a time when the country is struggling to cope with and pay for, the millions that Biden's already waived in, most of them from third world countries, draft legislation being supported by Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell will make it even easier for Biden to greenlight almost two million more over the next year alone. Now, I asked the ranking member of the Senate Homeland Security Committee about it earlier this week. This border deal that the Republicans are cooking up, that Chuck Schumer and apparently Mitch McConnell and others are going to agree to to that, you say?
3: It's a sellout. It's going to continue to allow illegal immigration, particularly migrants. It's saying, oh, we'll let 5,000 people come illegally a day, and then after that we might try to stop the next 5,000 that day. It's completely a sellout, but it's because people like Senator McConnell care more about Ukraine than anything else.
4: I would say that this is the most important piece of legislation that will be considered this year, perhaps in the last five years. And yet it's tangled up with another $60 billion spending request for Ukraine. Now this is the first sign it's bad. And Oklahoma Senator Jim Langford on the border subcommittee is spearheading this bill. And it's supported by the most notorious big spending open borders Republicans.
0: This shouldn't be something that we don't address here. How? can we address this in a bipartisan way? Unfortunately, the House didn't have any Democrats on board, and for the last two and a half months, we've met in a bipartisan way to hammer out, how do we solve this?
3: Senator Langford, you've done an extraordinary job of negotiating um, what I think is going to be a successful compromise that's going to get support from Republicans and Democrats.
4: Now, says Tom Tillis, the man who voted to give Biden a trillion dollars for infrastructure, which ended up being a gateway to an even worse so-called Inflation Reduction Act. Well, details in this border bill are already leaking out, and they usually remember like doing these types of things, releasing the text of a bill in the middle of the night. They bury the damage in hundreds or thousands of pages of text that is almost always written by lobbyists. But tonight, we seem to know this, that anything Schumer and Durbin will agree to will be a shiv in the back of American workers and a gift to big business and Biden's campaign. Why do it? The legislation will reportedly increase the number of foreign workers allowed in the country, give immediate work permits to those released from custody, and still allows several thousand more migrants every day to enter. More on this in a moment with Mike Lee. Now, it's worth noting that when he was up for re-election in 2022, Senator Langford sounded pretty tough on the Biden border fiasco. He was hitting Biden's decision to simply process people into the country more quickly. And at the time, he noted that the national security crisis they've created for the country and the chaos they've created at the border. That Langford was right. Someone should go try to find him. Now, look no further than his bedfellows and the house who are parroting their tired old arguments. We need
2: immigrants in this country. Forget the fact that the Farm that our, our our vegetables would rot in the ground if it weren't if they weren't being picked by many immigrants,
5: many illegal immigrants.
4: Uh, do you ever remember not having vegetables growing up? Neither do I. Now, no Republican should touch this or be involved with this sham in any way, shape, or form. Let the voters sort this out in November. We don't need a fig leaf of enforcement. We need a new president. Now, McConnell even admitted behind closed doors that they're afraid that Trump won't cave and give them the foreign workers they want. Read between the lines there. Now, it might make sense that Democrats would want to import more workers into the United States, right? Because they're the party of woke Wall Street and the plutocracy. But it makes no sense that Republicans, who are winning right now because of the votes of working people, and who, by the way, are despised by big business, it makes no sense for them to help the left at every turn. And so what's going to happen? We've got this money
1: deal that we, the American people, expect because of what they are supposed to do. We've got this thing stringing along out there With no budget, we've got a deal, we're told. Mike Johnson, as well as Chuck Schumer, they put a deal together. But they wouldn't give us the facts and all during last week, every day. Little bitty tidbits, nuggets would drop out of it. And as it stands right now, it doesn't look too good. So we have the border debacle. We have our budget debacle. Debacle and everybody's got deals on the table. But nobody will publish for the American people the content of the deals. They don't do that anymore. That's called regular order, where they go one step at a time. They create potential legislation. They write it into a bill. The bill goes to the respective committees in the Senate and the House. Where they analyze each particular proposal, they debate it among themselves, they have experts come in and in committee hearings, they ask and get answers for questions that they have. They try to come up with a finished product, and if and when they do, then it goes to the entire floor of either the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate, and then that process starts again there. They do their deal. And if they put a deal together, it goes over to the Senate for them to do their deal. If they come up with a consensus, it's voted on. And if it passes both houses, it goes to the president to sign into law. That takes a long time, Dan. It's a lot easier for the lobbyists the experts among the lobbyist groups that are in D.C. passing out money, looking for legislation that fits what they want. They'll help write these bills. And they'll give a bunch of money away, these lobbyists. And they do it overnight. Nobody knows what's going in it. These are the big bills that they are hundreds, sometimes thousands of pages long. And the day before it's going to be voted on, they give it out to everybody. So nobody has a chance to go through the whole bills. We haven't had a regular order bill signed into law in years, which would mean it went through the process I described. They, they don't want to do it. They don't have time to do that. And so tens of billions, if not trillions of taxpayer dollars are wasted on issues that are in these bills that we had no idea They were in there. And whoever was supposed to be the benefits of all of that, well, they get their part. What happens to the rest of it? A bunch of it is wasted. Mike Johnson, on this show several times, he said, we're going to, because we, the Republicans, control the majority, we're the majority in the the House, we are going to force the House of Representatives, to go back to regular order on every issue. And every issue is not going to be stuck in one big omnibus bill. We're going to break them apart and do the process that I just explained to you a minute ago on every bill. That hadn't happened. You can't get 435 people to get and sit through those committee hearings on every proposed bill. I mean, they don't get anything done now, do they? Matt Gates, somebody that we hear his name all the time, but I, I don't think I've ever played anything that Matt Gates has, has said on this show. Not purposely. I like the guy personally. I mean, he's he's a good-looking Southern guy. He talks well. And he's very conservative. In fact, he's more conservative than most people in the House of Representatives you would expect to be because he's not an older guy. He's still <laughs> in his 30s. That's that's very young for a politician. Well, over the weekend, Matt Gates actually stepped up and he weighed in on all of this. And I was shocked when I heard this over the weekend. And so... You sit tight. On the other side of this break, you're going to hear Matt Gates from Florida talking about all of the pontificating that's going on in the Republican Party.
0: Budweiser presents the world's first star in your own radio commercial. Okay, guys, whenever you hear this sound, insert your name.
2: Hi there. Your name. Sorry I'm late. Sometimes there just aren't enough hours in the day to be a neurosurgeon and a swimwear model. Oh, am I thirsty. How about it? Your name. I've got anything tall and cool? Oh, Wiser long necks, though. Your name. You are so thoughtful. But of course, Bud's the first choice for every occasion. Ah, you know, I have a confession to make. If I ever had a son, I'd want to name him. Your name. Oh, Your name. Come here. Now. Mm.
0: Your name. Your name. Your name. Well, you did very well in your first commercial. Have a bud. You've earned it.
2: This bud's for you.
0: Your name.
2: Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri.
0: Raid shadow legends. I mean, (laughs) you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like... uh, wet otters but the bad guys they're lovecraftian they're spooky they're um i'm um, big and then you go to battle and it's like and finally your foe is vanquished and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling Ooh, download raid shadow legends play for free
2: Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get
6: uh... a... Can I get uh... a... get in the McDonald's. Ooh, Ooh, can I get uh... a... Can I get a... Yeah, can I get a... uh... 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 Go, Bubba, go!
2: Pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a...
3: Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And
6: what
4: sauce would you like with that? Uh...
0: In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman.
1: Sad to say that during the break, we had some news come out about what's going on in the Middle East. First time this has happened in this war over there. Overnight, a U.S.-owned ship was struck By a missile near Yemen. Of course, that's the Houthi rebels. We don't have any of the details. We just know that it happened. We don't know if it destroyed the ship or if there were any casualties. I'm going to guess because it's in the news now, hopefully they caught it because we've shot down I don't know how many missiles over there uh, that were shot at various ships out in the ocean. I hope they caught it because... This thing could go south really, really fast. And we just don't need that right now. We don't need it ever. But you have a feckless Pentagon. You still have a uh, a Secretary of Defense in the hospital now for two weeks. We're told he's ordered the last few attacks on the Houthi rebels. We don't know. Just put this in the perspective of this. We have people on the other side of the world that are threatening, actually talking about it publicly, of nuking Israel and maybe the United States. And I know when we hear these things, we say, they're not going to try that with us. They're not going to do that. Remember, it only took 19 of those like-minded people to topple both Twin Towers in New York City. And we thought nobody would ever do anything like that, didn't we? Well, they did. We're going to keep our eyes and ears open for you on this all day long. And uh, we just need to stop this mess over there. I don't know how to do it. Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli people, they're not going to do it. They don't want to do it. They want a ceasefire to get the rest of our hostages back. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think many of, if not all of those that are still being held hostage, aren't being held hostage, they're already dead. This long, you know, I think we would know something specific about the hostages, and we don't. The last set, we, uh, we were told, they didn't, as far as I know, return bodies, but we were told that those hostages had been killed or died or, or whatever. It's just not a good situation. If you don't do anything more than this, pray. Pray for an end to this mess. War means horrors for everybody, and it doesn't matter what the outcome is. Everybody in it's going to lose. The longer it lasts, the worse it gets. We just need this thing to stop. So before the break, I talked to you and said, Matt Gates came out talking about this financial deal that's out there, and he's not real happy about it. He's going to give you the details of that but he's gonna point fingers. If you get good information from finger pointers, it's a good thing. Here he is.
6: McCarthy made the deal with Biden and Schumer called the Fiscal Responsibility Act. I'll just call that the FRA because we can't even call it fiscally responsible. So they agree to an FRA number. Then on top of the FRA spending number, McCarthy does $50 billion in secret side deals that he doesn't tell us that he doesn't tell you that he doesn't even tell other members of the house leadership team so johnson gets in sits down schumer and biden say well this is this is the freaking deal it's what mccarthy agreed to it's what we're going to hold you to and Maca- and johnson successfully takes 20 billion ish out of the 50 billion plus inside deals and claws that back it takes another fairly big bite out of the IRS. So you've got conservative economists like Stephen Moore, who we have a very high opinion of on, in this office and, and on this program. Stephen Moore says this is this is savvy. This is this big win for Johnson, that he clawed back this $20 billion of the McCarthy side deals. He's, he's proving better than McCarthy and, and shrewd in that regard. And, and then the Wall Street Journal editorial board, who hate me, who totally disagree with the removal of McCarthy, even they say, sheepishly, that Mike Johnson cut a better deal than McCarthy. All of it, bottom line for you, it's not enough. It is not good enough. It is not even close to good enough. Okay, if we'd have gone to Kevin McCarthy and said, it's $20 billion in your side deals or your head, he'd have probably done the same thing. We need transformational change about how we think about the budget and continuing to trip along, continuing resolution to omnibus with exploding caps and supplementals that fund Ukraine or other foreign nations. That is what has put us in this position where you're paying 10% more for beef or 20% more for auto insurance. It's linked back to the devaluation of the American currency that is driven out of Washington, D.C. That's why we're trying to change it. So here's what a few of us said to the speaker and you know, we had a relatively large group of members. Folks, you know, Byron Donalds, Cat Camick, Scott Perry, Bob Good, Chip Roy, Marjorie Taylor Greene, we, we all went and met with Speaker Johnson. And I felt the consensus coming out of that discussion is that we, we House conservatives are not going to tolerate a government funding bill while the border is open. You have to shut down the border or we will shut down the government. And I don't say that with any twinkle in my eye or any joy or any celebration for a shutdown. I know some of you on the live stream want to shut down, but I live in a district with a whole lot of troops, a whole lot of government contractors who are not at fault for this. The the Customs and Border Patrol who are actually following the law, who care and love our nation, They did not do this, but they will have to disproportionately shoulder the burden of a shutdown, okay? And I don't think some airman abroad or some sailor on the high seas should have to disproportionately shoulder that. I really don't. But we have no choice right now. There are no easy choices in front of us, okay? It is just hard choices. And if we do not get this budget under control, if we do not get this border under control, we are not going to have a country to defend, and so it's not joyful, it's not a pleasurable experience to go through this, but we have to. We have to shut down the border or shut down the government. And all these little games about you know, modest, you know, little minor adjustments, they function often to virtue signal, not to alter the shape of this corrupt system. So we will have more meetings later today with the speaker, more discussions with cross-section of our, our conference. We've had moderates and some of the big spending Republicans say, we don't want the border fight in the appropriations fight. As a matter of fact, one told me that just a, just a couple hours ago. said, I, I just want no chaos and no drama. I don't want the border fight to be included in how we think about government funding. It's just unrealistic. It's going to lead us to being overrun. And so we've got to build a reservoir of courage with House Republicans to fight on the border and to cut spending and to go after the Bidens and to go after the bureaucrats. If we do these things, victory is in sight. But if we do this Schumer deal, I won't be speaking to you next Congress uh, from the position of a member of the House majority. If we do this deal that that uh, Chuck Schumer is applauding, we will be out of the majority because our own voters will look at us and say, what, what have the House Republicans done for me? What did you fight for? And we may fight and lose. We may fight and get rolled anyway. That happens a lot here. It's happened a lot to me over the last seven years. But if no one is making these arguments and, and deploying this leverage to fix the border, then what is going to be left to fight over or preside over?
1: That's a really good question to ask here. It's interesting, you hear a lot of nasty things about Matt Gaetz. He's a runaway. He's a solo guy. He doesn't care about anybody. Well, he cares about the people that elected him. Go figure. So what what are the leaders on the same level as Matt Gaetz? Where's their mind? Why aren't they doing one thing that could stop all the border stuff? Matt Gates didn't talk about it, which surprised me because I know what he feels about it. I would have a long time ago, if I was there, I would have made it very clear that we're not going to do anything, nothing whatsoever that requires money. Now, this is the House of Representatives. That's the place where all the money stuff begins. I'd tell him, I'd tell Schumer and everybody else. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to prove anything at all going forward until the president enforces our immigration laws, federal laws that plainly say what must happen regarding illegal entry into this country. Every part of that process is built into different laws that give us exactly what's supposed to happen. And if our government does anything that doesn't line up with those laws, it's illegal to do it. So why do you have to tell Joe Biden, hey, look, we want to cut a deal. We want to make a deal with you so you'll finally adhere and enforce the laws regarding our southern border. Why in the heck? should the American people have to deal with the president and anybody that's an elected official that refuses to follow the laws that we elected them to go to D.C. and pass. And now Democrats in Congress are saying the exact thing you just heard me say. They know what's going on. They see what's going on. And because they see and know a few things that you and I don't because we're not there with them, they know more about what is inevitable, what's going to happen because they understand what the purpose is of the Biden administration and Democrats for all of this wide open border stuff. There are so many little moving parts there. And it's all built on the foundation of what? The love of money is the root of all evil. How much of all of that blackmail money those cartels are making? We're told it's over $2 billion a month. A month. That's how much they're collecting to these people coming from 100 countries and more taking that horrible trek across Central America, up through Mexico, get into the southern border, get across and get here. $2 billion a month. How much of that money is coming across the border to, I don't know, people that live in Washington, D.C., Virginia? You know what I'm saying. Don't tell me it's not happening. There are more than one reason or two reasons why the president everybody in his administration without any exception have signed on for keep the borders open keep them open now in this budget thing that should be as matt gates just said all about two things our economy and enforcing the laws regarding our southern border and illegal immigration They're talking about all kinds of other things, too. That's what happens. And they're all about, politicians, they're all about cutting deals. So I, when Mike Johnson was on the show last time, I said this. They're going to come around with some kind of big deal that they try to sell to the House conservatives. That if you do this, we'll be able to cut down on the stuff at the southern border. Well, what's it going to take to do that? Do you remember what McCarthy did? McCarthy, he went to Hakeem Jeffries, who was the wannabe House Speaker when McCarthy was elected House Speaker. Hakeem Jeffries is a hardcore leftist. Well, guess what popped out over the weekend? The Democrats have made an offer of support To GOP Speaker Mike Johnson, Hakeem Jeffries offered McCarthy the same deal. So what's the deal? Democrats are willing to consider the matter if Johnson would first have to forge an agreement with House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries ensuring Democrats had a greater voice in the legislative process. Now, this is factual. It's been confirmed from several sources. In that case, they'd be willing to provide any votes to keep the House Speaker in power. Just like I told McCarthy, talk to Hakeem, and there are some of us that can support you. That came from Democrat Rep. Henry Cuellar, big-time Hispanic Member of the House of Representatives, the Quayar family control a huge part of all of South Texas. When he said that Quayar was referring to ousted former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, I'll say the same thing to Johnson. Now remember, Hakeem Jeffries, he got all of the Democrats to vote for McCarthy. Representative Dan Kildee said something similar to that. He would have to be more willing than Kevin McCarthy was to sit down with Hawkeye and Jeffries and have a conversation about what it would take for us to be helpful. Kevin said to pound sand. He didn't want the help. We wouldn't be offering it as an act of charity. We would, look, we would say, look, if you need Democrats to govern, then you're going to have to take Democratic input. Plus, supporting Johnson would mean avoiding another drawdown-out battle that would prevent Congress from passing election uh, legislation again. We can't do another three-week standstill. That's from an unnamed Democrat. As is, we've got nothing done in the 118th Congress. Look, he's not my favorite person in the world, but on the other hand, it's a terrible and tough job in this Congress. I would be very surprised if there aren't a number of Democrats who would support Johnson because I think we're so tired of this. As a frontliner, I wouldn't want to be accused by people of slowing things down. All of this conversation comes amid a burgeoning effort to oust Mike Johnson, just like they kicked McCarthy out. Why? Because Johnson has been working with Senate Democrats on piecing together a spending deal that would avoid a government shutdown. Now let me tell you what's going on in this. I haven't talked to Mike. He has made himself totally zoned in on the issues at hand. He's working twenty hours a day. I mean that literally. He's constantly on the phone. He's traveling all the time. Let me tell you the 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 two things in that news report that I just gave to you. I told you that we're part of it. Those are coming from people that are not involved directly in the negotiations. But what happens on the other side, and I'm sure it happens on the Republican side too, somebody in those parties is putting this news out, putting it together. Don't think for a second when you hear a leftist news outlet like NBC News One of the reports that I just gave to you was from NBC News, another one from MSNBC, and another one from CNN. Don't think that what they're reporting because they're quoting some Democrat like Hakeem Jeffries or this other guy that's a Democrat or Henry Cuellar. Don't think just because it's coming from a news source what they're telling you is true. I know Mike Johnson. I know him well. I cannot see a situation where he's going to give up on the closed stop illegal immigration before this spending bill is put together. He doesn't want to shut down the government. Nobody wants to shut down the government. And Matt Gates doesn't. But here's the deal. You, you got to remember, look at who they're dealing with. You're talking about an entire political party in the Congress, the House of Representatives, and the Senate, and the presidency. Joe Biden doesn't give a rip about enforcing immigration laws. We're talking about the leaders, the people that are in charge of and totally in control of the laws of this land. They passed. Many of those guys and girls in Congress today were part of passing the immigration laws. Some of them weren't, but it doesn't matter when they got elected and took an oath of office, they swore an oath that they were going to do it. They're going against the U.S. constitutional structure and the rule of law by not enforcing it. Mike Johnson is in the side of And again, I know factually, he's in the side of honor the law. Why should Republicans feel obligated to try to negotiate with Democrats on a law? And it's not just one law, it's a handful on one issue that they swore an oath they would uphold. Well, we don't like them. Okay, there's a process for that. Go back to the House, go back to the Senate, write some legislation put it on the floor of either the Senate or the House, and you guys decide what needs to be changed, the things that you don't like in this law, and get them changed. Well, we can't get enough support to change it. Then you got your answer. The people's representatives don't want the change that you say you want. And so you can't make the change, but you better get your butts in gear and support the laws that are the laws unless and until they're no longer the laws. They're calling Donald Trump a dictator wannabe? They're selling uh, this Democrat thing left and right. They've got people believing it. If Donald Trump gets elected, our democracy is over. How do you devise anything that can be called a democracy when the people and the people's representatives aren't even in the conversation about any of it? That's the beginning of destruction of democracy. And if you're with us Friday, you heard a a really good guy, Billy Brown, give the explanation of me saying that I've been saying this for quite a while, we do not live in a democracy. The United States Constitution does not structure a democracy. We have democratic ideology, but if we had a democracy on every issue that came up, every American would have to vote. Our forefathers knew that would never work for two reasons. Number one, they knew, even way back then, that eventually our United States was going to spread from the Pacific all the way across to the Atlantic Ocean, where they all lived then, from Canada up to what is now Mexico, the Texas border. They knew it was going to expand. They knew it would be governed by people locally, different ideals, ideologies, and it would be impossible to get any laws passed if every person in the United States had to vote on every issue. So they structured what we are. We're a republic, and we're in a representative republic, which means the people elect people from their area, their state, their congressional districts that represent the voices of their people. They go to Washington, D.C., and they're crafting legislation, supposedly, based upon what the people they represent want done. That's called the rule of law. And now people like Joe Biden, oh, he's going to destroy our democracy if he gets elected. You're in the process today of destroying our democracy. How can I say that? Because you want you Mr. President, won't enforce the laws that are in the Constitution and created by the constitutional process. That's called authoritarian rule, which is one step away from communism. You're doing that yourself right now. How many people out in the nation, when Joe Biden or Mitch McConnell or some other radical Democrat comes out and gives that spit-wad speech about Trump destroying democracy, and people hear them talking. You know what? There are millions of people that when they hear these guys say that because they're hardcore Democrats, these people, they're thinking, well, that's the truth. They wouldn't say that if it wasn't the truth. One of the number one things we do here, at TNN Live and at Truth News Network, is we paint pictures of facts. And the reason we harp on that, and I tell you often, when Steve Baker's with us, when when we, we have Mike Johnson, other people on the show as guests, I don't tell them what, I never tell somebody that's coming on this show what to say or not to say. But if they're conservatives now, every one of them are making it very clear. First of all, Our government is in trouble because people that are elected officials are taking the rule of law and shredding it. And they're turning it into an atmosphere where only a small group of people, small group of people, most of them are elected. So they should be legally in the process of crafting laws. But they should not have unilateral control over anything. Not whatsoever. The majority of the people are represented and those representatives have the sole authority to craft, to create new laws, to throw away old laws. And they don't do it because they shouldn't be doing it because their lobbyists want something different to come out of any kind of discussions there because it makes them money. That's not constitutional, folks. That is destroying democracy. Do you want that? Do you want your children, your grandchildren to live in a world? They want to destroy the Electoral College. You know why it was put together? So that states like California, Illinois, New York, big states with a lot of people, they would have a majority. There wouldn't be an electoral college, so whoever was the biggest populated state would determine what all our laws are going to be. That's not a representative democracy where we live in a republic.
0: Talking with you, not at you. Intelligent conversation.
1: TNN. The Truth News Network.
0: Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with
6: Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto & Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto & Truck Parts. 924 G Street in downtown Modesto. 529-8342.
3: 529-8342.
5: Ah luxury, the aroma is full bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury. Not for an hour or even a day but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more.
0: We don't tell you what to think. But we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. TruthNewsNet.org.
1: Guy named Chris Donaldson backs up what I just told you just a few minutes ago. And let me point out another couple of things. Adam Schiff, as you know, he's decided he's going to be a U.S. senator instead of just a member of the House of Representatives representing one district, one congressional district in California. So he's come up with a new idea, has Adam Schiff. It's called Defending Democracy Agenda. Modern-day Democrats, they've hijacked that term. You know that. It's a cloak for their anti-American agenda. And then there's Adam Schiff. He has no qualms about saying the quiet part of this thing out loud. Now think about who he is. Yeah, he's somewhat a powerful guy. He is a representative from California. He's a serial liar and a Russiagate hoaxer. So that gave him the credibility that he needed to unveil his defending democracy agenda. Now, what is it? It's an overtly fascist proposal to cement his power-abusing party as a permanent ruling entity in America. For the first time in generations, this is Adam Schiff, for the first time in generations, our rights and freedoms are receding, not expanding. Voters feel that democracy is at risk, and they're right. That's why I'm releasing my defending democracy agenda, he said, to protect our democracy and ensure that it works for us all. Now, that all sounds really, really good, doesn't it? But it's like all this legislation that they are passing quietly in the middle of the night. It may sound good, but you gotta go look at the fine print. This scheming leftist shared a Politico link with the outlet having obtained exclusively, that's what they say, Politico, we have obtained exclusively a sweeping Adam Schiff manifesto that many feel would effectively feed the Constitution into a shredder and stomp out the dying embers of freedom and vision by the nation's founding. According to Politico, this is what they say is in this exclusively obtained manifesto. They said this in their story, quote, Though many of the individual agenda items are not new proposals for Schiff, together they present the fullest accounting of his vision to bolster America's democracy in the wake of the norms-shattering influence of Donald Trump. Some of his proposals, such as abolishing the Electoral College, overturning the Supreme Court's Citizen United decision on campaign finance, would require constitutional amendments. He also backs changing the Senate's rule to abolish the filibuster, which he says is necessary to enshrine voting rights, abortion protections, and gun safety measures into law. This is from Politico. They're analyzing this, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) manifesto that Adam Schiff wrote. And Schiff also provided details of his war on America in a video that he posted to social media. Here's what he said. Do we need to have a patriotic song playing in the background? Quote, this morning I released my Defending Democracy agenda. It's a multi-step approach to ensure we restore and expand our rights, make government work, and protect our democracy for generations to come. Let's break it down, he said. Well, it's not really a substantive document. It's a scheme. What's in it? It'll be an easy sell to the party's rabidly authoritarian base, no doubt about that. But others on X, formerly known as Twitter, could see right through the Orwellian window dressing on his anti-democratic proposal, and they went nuts replying it to. It. Let me just give. Let me just give you a few. Pro democracy, more like pro fascism. That's from You Don't Know Jack. And then there's this. You are an affront to Americanist values. This is Josh Walker replying to Adam Schiff. How very democratic of him. Christopher Proch. Adam Schiff can say democracy as many times as he wants, but it doesn't change the fact that the United States is a constitutional republic. Remember, He was censured by the House for lying. So it's no surprise Schiff is lying about what form of government we have. That's from Paul Zupala. It's the Democrats who are eroding our rights. White House and agencies using third-party social sites to censor us, trampling on the First Amendment rights. That's John Does defending democracy always involve lying to the American people for three years about a Russia collusion hoax that Hillary Clinton and the FBI cooked up resulting in the censure of a corrupt congressman? (laughs) That's from Stingray. Democrats always talk of democracy rather than acknowledging our constitutional republic. There's a simple reason for that. Democracy is tyranny by the majority. And that's what these Marxist dictators really want. It's also why they push illegal immigration. That's from Jeff Carlson. Schiff told Politico, I think our democracy is at more grave risk now than ever. And it's clear. The issue is going to be front and center and needs to be front and center on the national stage. The very reason. Now, Adam Schiff, he does nothing on his own. He does not create stuff. He's never been a proactive member of the House of Representatives. He's one of those guys that every time something controversial comes up that makes Democrats, and especially him as a Democrat, look bad, he starts firing with an automatic weapon at whoever put that bit of quote-unquote, information out that diminishes him. He is nothing more. I call these guys, and there's a bunch of them, drive-by shooters. They have no substance. They don't have any bullets in the gun. They won't talk about the substance. They don't want to because they don't deal with substance. They deal with political hackery. All of a sudden now, Every one of the Democrats. They're all parroting in some form or another the Donald Trump, those evil MAGA, mega extremist. And that's coming out of the mouth of the president of the United States every day. And when a president, I don't care who it is, the office of the presidency is a storied really strong and powerful historical figure of what the freest country in world history is all about. Joe Biden's part of it. I didn't vote for him. I knew, I expected, just like many, most of you, you felt the same thing about him and you didn't vote for him. We'll never know. I doubt if we'll ever know how many people really did vote for him and how many voted for Trump. But that's over. You can't put the genie back in the bottle, but that doesn't mean we have to go down that road and live it on the other end of it. We don't have to. But they're pushing hard. And here's why. At some point, they will begin to use that, and it will start with this perspective. Well, we already know. We already know that the democracy is being destroyed. That's a fact. These people, Donald Trump, mega Maga Republicans, they're the ones that did it. They destroyed our democracy. So we're going to come back in and replace it. And you know what they're going to use as tools? They tell us now in the 2016, the 2020 elections, they tell us we need to destroy the rule of law, excuse me, the electoral college, now why would they do that? There's only one reason they do that. The reason it was created by our forefathers and it wasn't initially in, in place. It was added. It was amended after the fact because all of a sudden they slapped their foreheads and said, look, right now there are going to be more representatives for the big cities that we have than there are going to be for people that live away from the big cities. So it won't be voting on an equal basis. So they came up with the Electoral College and they wrapped it around the structure of the U.S. Congress, both the House and the Senate. Every state gets two senators, doesn't matter what their population is. But the People's House, as it's called, the House of Representatives, they created 435 districts overall, And each of these districts represent a certain portion of a populated area. That's why you see overlaps in counties and parishes in Louisiana. It's not based on zip codes. It's based upon the congressional district, the way it's drawn out, and all the people in that district are represented by one person. And as I said, there's 435 of those around the nation That makes it fair. Every election has people from every perspective and they literally are being represented by those that make the laws. What Adam Schiff, what Joe Biden, what Hillary Clinton, what they're screaming about, get rid of the electoral college. A democracy says the voices of the people determine what's going to be and what's not going to be. So, in an election, if we didn't have the Electoral College, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, Houston, Texas, Miami, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, all those big cities and the states in which they reside. They would have far more people individually voting for their causes and their purposes than would people that live in, oh, I don't know, Shreveport, Louisiana, New Iberia, Louisiana, any other small town or community. And this manifesto that Adam Schiff has come what it it explains it totally. Wow, I didn't mean to get caught up in that, but that was something that we needed to um, we needed to address. Other news: This Fannie Willis, that prosecutor, DA over in Atlanta, Georgia, Fulton County. By the way, her first name spelled F A N I. I called. I, I think every other person in the, the news called her Fannie Willis. Well, she's corrected it, F A N I. In her case. Is pronounced Fani Willis. So guess what's happened now in the middle of this debacle up there, where she were, she was busted with having a lover hired him as her prosecutor in the Donald Trump and the cases against all those others in Atlanta regarding what happened on Election Day and following January sixth. And it's falling apart. She's in trouble. GOP lawmakers are looking to get answers from her and this prosecutor who had a romantic relationship with D.A. Fani Willis, who hired him. Hired him to head up her case against former President Trump. In a letter on Friday to Nathan Wade, the Atlanta area attorney who Willis tabbed to spearhead the election interference case against Trump, also, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, he signed off on the letter and it requested documents and information as well as his cooperation, this prosecutor, with our oversight. Willis's prosecution of the Republican frontrunner was rocked this week. Details showed up about her fling with Wade. It came... a revelation in a court filing seeking her dismissal. It was also reported that invoices show he met with Trump's political foes including the now-defunct Nancy Pelosi-Liz Cheney January 6th committee as well as meeting with representatives of the Biden White House. There's nothing there. Just look the other way. Jim Jordan's committee It continues to conduct oversight of politically motivated prosecutions by state and local officials as it should. That's part of the gig based on some reports. We believe that you possess documents and information about the coordination of the Fulton County attorney general's office with other politically motivated investigations and prosecutions and the potential misuse of federal funds. Accordingly, We ask for your cooperation with our oversight. That's Jim Jordan. On August 14th, with your assistance, Fulton County DA Fannie T. Willis indicted a former president of the United States and current declared candidate for that office. According to a recent court filing, you've been paid more than $650,000, and your rate is $250 an hour. You signed that contract to serve as an attorney consultant and later a special assistant district attorney in the unprecedented investigation and prosecution of the former president and some other federal officials. This filing also alleges that while receiving a substantial amount of money from Fulton County, you spent extravagantly on lavish vacations with your boss, Ms. Fonnie Willis. That's in Jordan's letter. And there's more. It said, although Ms. Williams, excuse me, Miss Willis has so far refused to cooperate with our oversight of the coordination of this process with other politically motivated prosecutors and prosecutions, Invoices that you submitted for payment and made public as part of this court filing highlight this collusion. This new info appears to substantiate our concerns that Ms. Willis's politicized prosecution, including the decision to convene a special purpose grand jury, was aided by partisan Democrats in Washington, D.C. Willis and Wade, have engaged in a personal relationship both before and after Willis appointed Wade as a special prosecutor in this case. Now this is from a motion filed by former Trump staffer, Michael Roman. It continued. Listen to this. Willis and Wade were romantically involved prior to Willis awarding a contract for legal services with Wade. It's not entirely clear when the relationship began but it began while Wade was married. Willis, the DA, has previously refused to cooperate with congressional Republicans. Jordan's letter gives Wade until no later than 10 a.m. on January 26th to answer the letter. So I'm, I'm loving this thing. I mean, I'm not into soap opera stuff, but The circumstances surrounding this, the fact that this woman lit a fire and is prosecuting, costing people, even regular white-collar people, she just started filing suits, filing charges against everybody. And none of it makes much sense. Fulton County DA Willis, she responded yesterday. She said racism. <laughs> Here we go again. If you're African American, you're in any kind of responsible position, and you do something wrong and get caught, well, the reason I get caught is because I'm black and they're not. She blamed racism yesterday for the motivations for these allegations that she's engaged in an improper relationship with a special attorney that her office paid to assist with the prosecution of Donald Trump. Willis's office hired Nathan Wade, this guy, who is a private lawyer who has played a key role as a special attorney in the racketeering case against Trump and his associates pursuant to the 2020 election who then allegedly used money that his firm received from Fulton County to cover the cost of ritzy trips with Willis, according to a court motion filed last week by representatives of Trump co-defendant Michael Roman. In her first public remarks about it, she did that, by the way, at Big Bethel AME Church yesterday. She suggested the allegations involving her and Wade were primarily the product of racial animus. I'm a little confused, she said. I pointed, and this is in a pulpit in a church. This doesn't quite all fit together, but that's another story. She said they only attack one, referencing Wade but stopping short of naming him explicitly. I hired one white woman a good personal friend and great lawyer, a superstar, I tell you. I hired one white man, brilliant, my friend and a great lawyer, and I hired one black man, another superstar, a great friend and a great lawyer. First thing they say, oh, she's going to play the race card now. But no, God, isn't it them who's playing the race card when they only question one? Fulton County paid this guy, Wade, $654,000 in fees since January a year ago. Wade allegedly used that money to pay for trips with Willis to places like Napa Valley, uh little beach trip, the Caribbean, and Florida, according to the motion that was filed last Monday. Willis and Wade have been engaged in an improper clandestine personal relationship during the pendency of this case, which has resulted in the special prosecutor and, in turn, the DA, profiting significantly from this prosecution at the expense of the taxpayers. The filing does not provide concrete proof of the behavior alleged, such as definitive evidence that Willis and Wade or romantically involved, or receipts of travel tickets. It does allege, though, that sources close to both the special prosecutor and the DA have confirmed they have an ongoing personal relationship. Some legal analysts have suggested the allegations could seriously inhibit Willis's ability to prosecute Trump and his associates if it's proven true. The alleged actions of Willis and Wade may amount to fraud and fraudulent activity that could possibly be prosecuted under federal racketeering law if substantiated. That would be really humorous because some of the charges she made against Donald Trump <laughs> was racketeering. As of um, as of Friday, he is also the subject of a house... Judiciary Committee hearing. I mean, this is... (laughs) When people get really angry regarding political matters, I mean really angry, what has Donald Trump done to all these people? What has he done? Uh, Fannie Willis, I'm sure, you know, this is Fulton County DA. I guarantee you she makes three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year. She's not an average American that is black. She's not. I don't care who gets a position in any government seat if they if they are able to do the gig and are the best ones available to do the gig, whatever it is, whatever government office it is. I mean, government nationwide is supposed to be representing the people this is not a corporate deal you represent the people you work for the people in your various town city or district and you're supposed to do what you commit to do those people should be the ones that determine what you can and can't do and when you if you're it's if you're working for a government Situation: You swear an no oath to do just what you're supposed to do. In a Friday letter to Nathan Wade, the Atlanta area attorney who Willis tabs to spearhead this interference case against Trump, Jim Jordan, House Judiciary Committee chairman, he requested documents and information as well as his cooperation with oversight. Willis's prosecution of Donald Trump was rocked this week when details of her alleged fling with Wade were revealed in a court filing seeking their dismissal. It was also reported that invoices show he met with Trump's political foes, including the now-defunct Nancy Pelosi-Liz Cheney January 6th committee, as well as meeting with representatives of the Biden White House. and i could go on and on and on and on this is this is just unbelievable but we should we sh- i mean we should believe all this stuff because they don't give a rip about what is supposed to happen why and who's supposed to do it and who's not supposed to do it Oh, my gosh. This is Monday. Now, she's throwing out the race card, so let me throw one out. The U.S. Army's woke recruitment struggles that we hear about pretty regularly, they're struggling to get people to come to any of the agencies. People don't want to come anymore because they know by what the action's of the various branches of our government have done the last three years. Everything's about wokeness, it's about fairness, it's about equality. It's not about equality. It's it's about sharing and everybody getting equal on everything that doesn't exist at life. The debacle that happened over vaccinations and people getting kicked out. Actions and attitude were hardly in alignment for the armed forces. This is according to a new report from military.com that showed the ongoing failures to meet requirement quotas have centered around steadily declining commitments from here you go white people. Having reviewed the internal data that website military.com found that in five years the overall number of white recruits in the army plummeted by half from 44,000 in 2018 to 25,000 last year. While recruiting struggles have seen the branch missing goals that had been revised down already, the numbers were not comparable across the board. Both black and Hispanic recruits saw upticks from 20 to 24% and from 17 to 24% respectively over the same span. Both Blacks and Hispanic groups joined more so than what the white people are doing. The rate at which white recruitment has fallen far outpaces nationwide demographic shifts. Data experts and Army officials interviewed by Military.com noted the site reported they don't see a single cause to the recruiting problem problem but pointed to a confluence of issues for Army recruiting, including partisan scrutiny of the service, a growing obesity epidemic, and an underfunded public education system. In other words, our infrastructure at every level, pretty much, our agencies, our departments, they're failing. In 2022, the Army had adjusted expectations, still fell short by 15,000 recruits, The following year hasn't been an improvement as they missed the mark of 65,000 by 10,000. What we've seen is a reflection of society. What we know less of is what is driving all of these things. And there is no widely accepted cause. It's real simple. There is a cause. Why would people do it? It wasn't happened five years ago. Well, duh, go back and look at how you handled your recruitment the last time People quit coming to recruit and be in the army. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure it out. Stuff has changed. What's changed regarding people coming into the army? Find out what it is and change it. Oh, my gosh. We'll go back to New Mexico <laughs> for Steve, Pastor Steve Smotherman's. Instruction to us all from a sermon. If you got problems, you want changes. Nothing changes if nothing changes. If you find the problem and you don't fix the problem of why it's happening, then the results are going to be the dadgum same thing. That doesn't take a brain surgeon to understand. We just can't get this stuff figured out. Now, I skipped over one one thing I wanted to give to you earlier in the show when we were still talking about the election coming up and what's going on in the caucuses in Iowa today. Ramaswamy. Do you really like him, Vivek Ramaswamy? He's very successful. He is brilliant, no doubt about it. He started multiple companies, and he's very young. In fact, he stretches the bottom level of requirement in the Constitution about somebody being uh, qualified to run for president. 45 is the number. He doesn't look even close to 45. I think he's 44 right now and will be 45, whatever it is. But he's figured something out. And this is going to blow your mind. This came out yesterday, and you're going to hear it from him about what is about to happen in this run for the presidency. If you're listening, you're in a crowd or whatever, step to the side and turn your hearing aid up. You don't want to miss this.
7: The system wants to narrow this down to a two-horse race between Donald Trump and a puppet who they can control. And it has become increasingly clear that puppet is not a Democrat. It's not even Gavin Newsom. It's Nikki Haley. It's in our own party. Well, today, one more step in that plot unfolds. Chris Christie drops out next up, I'm going to make a prediction. You're actually going to see Ron DeSantis join Nikki Haley's ticket. He's going to be her VP the whole game. It's hiding in plain sight, whatever it takes. And this system will stop at nothing. And I mean, nothing to eliminate Donald Trump from contention. It's disgusting. But the same people who have said they're not going to actually take a principled stand against Trump's removal from the ballot. Haley and DeSantis are both in that category. Do the math, people. That's next up. Ron DeSantis is after Iowa, everybody, including Chris Christie, apparently got a phone call from Ron DeSantis. Panicked was the word that Chris Christie used. This is the way the plot's going. Ron may not know this. Ron DeSantis may not know this, but that's what his donors are gonna make him do. That's what's coming next. Ron DeSantis will become Nikki's VP. Whether or not Ron knows it, it's not really his choice. He's not the one in charge of that decision. And then the plot continues. We have to open our eyes and not fall into their trap. Our America first agenda cannot end. Our movement cannot end with Donald Trump when they take him out from contention. And if you think this system is going to even let this man get anywhere near the White House, we need to open our eyes. We need to do the right thing for our country. They are selling us the rope today that they're going to use to hang us tomorrow. Do not fall into the trap, people. And that's why I'm here.
1: Okay. Do you think that is actually a possibility? Just, there's so much in what he said. And he speaks very, very quickly. It's important for you and me to understand what he is alleging is already in process. Listen to this again.
7: The system wants to narrow this down to a two-horse race between Donald Trump and a puppet who they can control. And it has become increasingly clear that puppet is not a Democrat. It's not even Gavin Newsom. It's Nikki Haley. It's in our own party. Well, today, one more step in that plot unfolds. Chris Christie drops out. Next up, I'm going to make a prediction. You're actually going to see Ron DeSantis join Nikki Haley's ticket. He's going to be her VP. The whole game, it's hiding in plain sight, whatever it takes. And this system will stop at nothing. And I mean nothing to eliminate Donald Trump from contention. It's disgusting. But the same people who have said they're not going to actually take a principled stand against Trump's removal from the ballot. Haley and DeSantis are both in that category. Do the math, people. That's next up. Ron DeSantis is after Iowa, everybody, including Chris Christie, apparently got a phone call from Ron DeSantis. Panicked was the word that Chris Christie used. This is the way the plot's going. Ron may not know this. Ron DeSantis may not know this, but that's what his donors are going to make him do. That's what's coming next. Ron DeSantis will become Nikki's VP. Whether or not Ron knows it, it's not really his choice. He's not the one in charge of that decision. And then the plot continues. We have to open our eyes and not fall into their trap. Our America First agenda cannot end. Our movement cannot end. With Donald Trump, when they take him out from contention, and if you think this system is going to even let this man get anywhere near the White House, we need to open our eyes. We need to do the right thing for our country. They are selling us the rope today that they're going to use to hang us tomorrow. Do not fall into the trap, people. And that's why I'm here.
1: He didn't give us say, well, what the heck are we supposed to do, Vivek? If that's true, if it really is legitimate. What can we do to stop that? The only bullet we have in our gun is the same bullet you and everybody else has our vote. And what are you saying? They're buying all the votes too. <laughs> and that I mean if that's the case, we can't we can't do anything about it. but I do think. You're a very creative guy. That was a heck of a thing to dream up as a possibility. Don't get me wrong. I'm not diminishing you or that in any way. I just would have never thought about it. I'm going to look into it myself.
2: I love going all natural, it just makes me feel better. nothing between me and my 100% all natural juicy grass-fed beef introducing the all natural burger the first ever in fast food with no antibiotics no added hormones and no steroids only at Carl's Jr.
3: For over 75 years people have saved money with, uh, with
7: Sorry. Here what? we go from the top. And action.
3: For over seventy-five years, people have saved money with gecko. So Cut it
5: I'm, What what did I say? Gecko. I said gecko ah. Oh.
3: For over seventy-five years. <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good, I'm good. <clears throat> for over 70- seventy <laughs> What are you doing there? Stop making me laugh.
0: Geico Saving people money for over
5: seventy-five years.
2: Don't look at me, don't look at me.
0: Lowe's knows you're a craftsman, guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN,
1: the Truth News Network. So there's some news coming out this morning about Joe Biden and this thing with Iran. Some experts have told Biden, and they leaked it over the weekend because they didn't hear any of it publicly. President Biden's strategy of de-escalation and containment in order to stop the Islamic Republic of Iran getting a nuke has failed. The planet's greatest state sponsor of terrorism is frighteningly close to producing its very own nuke. Deterrence against Tehran must be re-established as U.S. policy. Now, here we go. We know, without question, Joe Biden is in the tank for Iran. So this report is even more critical. Alarming reports about Iran moving at an astonishingly fast pace to possess a nuclear weapon has come out. And it's coming from a confidential IAEA, that's International Atomic Energy Agency, Coming out of one of their reports released to member states, and it shows that Iran has increased its production of highly enriched uranium, reversing a previous output report from the middle of last year. Reuters also said that Iran is enriching up to 60%, close to the roughly 90% that is weapons grade at its pilot fuel enrichment plant, and it's sprawling Natanz complex, and its Fordo fuel enrichment plant, which is dug into a mountain. David Albright, a physicist and founder and president of the Institute for Science and International Security, cautioned us earlier this month that the long pole in the tent of building nuclear weapons is essentially completed. Albright, Is a former UN weapons inspector in Iraq. And he wrote in his report titled, How Quickly Could Iran Make Nuclear Weapons Today? He said in that report that Iran can quickly make enough weapon grade uranium for many nuclear weapons, something it could not do in 2003. Prior to 2003, Iran had a crash nuclear weapons program, Albright said. After that, Iran switched to a more dispersed nuclear weapons effort. Today, it would need only about one week to produce enough for its first nuclear weapon, he said. It could have enough weapon-grade uranium for six weapons in just 30 days. And after five months of producing weapon-grade uranium, it could have enough for 12 That will, of course, never happen, according to a spokesperson for the State Department. Here we go. These people in the Biden administration, they got it going on. They know everything. As the President and Secretary made clear, the U.S. will ensure one way or another that Iran will never obtain a nuclear weapon. That's why Joe just gave them $6 billion for four hostages. They were a little short, needed some more money. That report continued. We continue to use a variety of tools in pursuit of that goal. All options remain on the table. As the Secretary has said, we always prefer diplomacy to achieve that goal. But given Iran's nuclear escalations and its failure to cooperate with the IAEA, unfortunately, we are far away from anything like that right now. President Biden a former U.S. State Department advisor on Iran said together they are relying on bribery to convince the America-hating nation to back off its nuclear ambitions. Biden's hope? Bribe Iran. Bribe them to not advance its nuclear program through economic concessions and non-enforcement of sanctions, which Joe has virtually completed. He removed all of the sanctions that Congress put on Iran and it stopped them. They didn't have any money. They couldn't get any money because they were selling oil, their oil, illegally on the open marketplace. That probably should scare us more than anything else in the news. We hadn't talked about Brutality and criminality in the streets, a 61 year old Chicago woman is brain dead today after she was stomped to death by an a paroled eight-time felon. Chicago's claimed another victim. That 61 year old woman left brain dead after being stomped during a robbery, and yet another of the tragedies that have become commonplace in the crime-ridden Midwestern metropolis. The identified victim was riding on a red-line train in downtown Chicago. I've been on it myself. When she was set upon by two men looking to steal her purse and who resorted to savage brutality during their criminal act. One of the men, a hulking black thug and convicted felon, Named Majawan Johnson pinned the woman to a seat, repeatedly punched and stomped her head and stomach, jumped on her with all of his weight. Johnson's 36 years old was arrested for his role in a January 4th assault, has an extensive criminal history, was on parole for an armed robbery at the time of this vicious attack on this helpless woman. The victim was found unresponsive on the train at Roosevelt Station. At around 1.30 in the morning, she was taken to a local hospital where she was on a ventilator and is brain dead and is not expected to survive. We talk about illegality. We talk about good and not good, what's right, what's wrong. The fundamental, if this nation is going to survive, the fundamental that must be in place and must be kept continually and always adhere to is the rule of law and the laws that say what's law uh, what's legal what's illegal and those in responsibility under the law to hold these people accountable they gotta start doing that again if it doesn't happen We don't need to even worry about these little bitty things like Iran getting nukes, Xi Jinping getting nukes, Vladimir Putin starts lobbing some nukes. It makes no difference. Without the rule of law, we don't even have a nation. Well, Monday, Monday. Thanks for being here. You guys have a great day. We'll jump into it with Steve Baker tomorrow, every Tuesday here at TNN Live.
2: Look at us, baby.